Welcome to episode 138 of the Twim Show. This is your host Chajid Islam and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of December 5th through 9th. Uh, this was a relatively uh, short and quiet week. I mean, I shouldn't say short, it still had five working days, but it was quite a, you know, uh, you know, quiet week, not too many updates, but nevertheless, there are quite a few updates, uh, five or six updates that I think you really need to hear about. So off we go. First up, um, on Microsoft Ads, Microsoft Ads have announced that auto-generated remarketing list is now available for three types of list. They are like all visitors, um, all converters and smart marketing lists. Now again, what is remarketing list? Remarketing list is basically building a list of audiences or visitors who have, you know, been to your site or taken a certain uh, action and then you put them in a bucket and then you could probably market them back. Uh, not probably, you market the, market this, uh, your ads or show your ads to these people, group of people in the future day. Uh, so this is similar to what Google already has. So this isn't really nothing groundbreaking. It's just good to see that um, Microsoft is adding it into it. Now for smart remarketing list, this is where Microsoft is playing a little bit of, you know, the artificial intelligence, algorithm, data, whatever you call it. Um, and over here, uh, data analysis, things like that. Because what they're saying is that, you know, they basically go out and the first two we know, all visitors, people who have been to your site in the last 30 days, all converters, people, uh, list of users uh, who have converted in the last 180 days, that's six months. Now, based on that profile, you know, basically um, Microsoft is going to go ahead and build a list of um, users similar to ones who have already converted uh, and kind of show your ads to them. You know, this is again uh, powered by Microsoft Audience Intelligence. So you kind of know what it is all about by now. Um, if you're in the Microsoft um, ad space, go ahead and give it a try. You might be uh, able to tell us more whether it works or not. Next up, we have uh, Microsoft Ads now allows you to attach flyers to your Microsoft Ads. So what this basically means that through flyer extension, um, you are able to show images of your flyers next to your text ads. I kind of like it if you ask me and I hope Google copies them as well because this is gonna be an amazing feature. Uh, obviously you can have up to five flyer extensions, not obviously, you can have up to, f uh, uh, up to five flyer extensions and the system will uniformly, uniformly keep them in rotation. But can you imagine how good this is? You see an ad, you see text ads, now you can click next to it. So it's like a mix of Instagram slash uh, Google ads, text ads. Now the only caveat is that you need to have very good compelling, um, you know, flyers. Next up, we have, let's go into LinkedIn world. This is in the LinkedIn analytics. Uh, LinkedIn analytics, uh, LinkedIn has announced new features which gives you more insights and actionable data into your top performing posts and followers. So the three, there, these are three updates. Number one, they have this thing called the follower growth over time feature that tracks your follower growth over time. Per LinkedIn, you can use this data to determine, to find out what is sparking growth in followers. For example, you may find your LinkedIn follower spikes every time you, ha you uh, have a speaking gig or you're on stage. 
Next up is the demographic details underneath the followers growth in sections in the audience tab. The demographic section summarizes your follower base, listing, job titles, uh, location, industry, seniority, company size, company names. Again, the, this data can provide a deeper understanding of the audience you are creating content for, which can help you create more successful posts. Alternatively, you may find you're not attracting the intended audience, which is a sign to adjust your content strategy. Lastly, the top performing post feature allows you to see up to three of your top performing posts in the post tabs. Top posts are ranked either by impressions or interactions over a selected date range. This data will offer insight into what content resonates with your audience so you can identify and share more of what's working. Now, this is a feature that I have used in Facebook and you know we have looked into it. But at certain point, you know, it just, it allows you to see it at a 30,000 foot level, but it doesn't, it's, maybe we just didn't understand that we, we, we got overwhelmed is what I would say. Because, you know, there could be a variety of reasons that a content is going, but it's a, it's a good thing. It's a, but I wouldn't really focus so much on the top post. I would probably look at the top two and kind of see, am I attracting the right people into my post, into my things, versus, you know, looking at top performing posts because that could slide. Maybe Facebook had a faulty analytics system, which we all know at some point that they do. Okay, next up, LinkedIn uh, ads have announced group identity where they're claiming they can help you to leverage uh, um, AI and put your ads in front of the B2B groups, uh, B2B decision makers. Now, you know, in B2B space, uh, especially in mid to large companies, there are multiple people who makes a decision to purchase a software, purchase a product, because you know, obviously there are so many departments, so many you know, roles. And LinkedIn is saying, look, it's kind of fragmented, and up until now, what you've been doing is you're showing like ads to a certain demographic, a certain role, certain things, however that kind of hits, and that's a hit or a miss thing. We have this thing called group identity, uh, and we use like you know first party and zero party data, uh, and we can allow, we can make sure that, you know, ads are shown to the uh, buying committees and help you convert more. Now, this was obviously a feature that was in beta last year. They tested, tested it last year, and apparently during the testing phase, they saw about 37% average higher click-through rate on group-delivered campaigns across channels. Now, that's a higher click-through rate. How many of them did they convert is my question, right? So again, you know, LinkedIn is asking you to put a lot more trust and more money into LinkedIn's pocket so that their AI algorithms can do this thing for you. Whether it's really beneficial or not, you have to try it out. I frankly, I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, how would I say, skeptical when it comes to algorithms just because unless you have a lot of budget, uh, enough money and enough firepower to kind of feed the machine and get enough data points very quickly, you are just going to be in a slow burn rate and you just kind of don't really find that magic formula very quickly. But hey, it might work for you. Give it a try. But on my, I, I feel like this is something uh, will probably evolve over time and you may want to uh, experiment with it, but not really go full in. Next up, uh, Google rolls out the December 2022 helpful content uh, systems update. 
Now this is something you know what is a system update and what is a you know update itself was all covered in episode 136 two episodes back so give that a listen or look at the read the show notes if you haven't but on December 5th uh, Google has announced that helpful content system update has begun and will take about two weeks to complete complete what does this algorithm up does well if the name resonates helpful content update it's basically trying to go find sites and content that are written for seo not for humans right a lot of you know bad uh, people out there who have created content because you know that will help them uh their content to rank higher uh, because the game, the system, um, I mean, this was, this is kind of the gray hat, uh, gray hat, you know, there's a black hat SEO, gray hat SEO and white hat SEO. So this is kind of whitish, grayish area of the SEO where they said, you know what, this is not li- illegal. We're going to use something like, you know, uh, Jarvis, uh, actually they changed the name Jarvis, right? Cause, because of lawsuits. Jasper, Jasper.ai or one of those are, are you know machines to write content, churn out content and put it on our website because it's going to get content out there. Google can index it and send it out. If you had anything of that sort, you're going to get hit by this, right? Uh, all I will, that's all I will say that, you know, be forewarned, create helpful content, create content that, you know, that follows the EAT model, which is what Google is pushing, uh, expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness. And lastly, for this week, uh, per Google, you should avoid HTML sitemaps. Uh, what are HTML sitemaps? HTML sitemaps is a file that lists every page on your website. You know, if you, uh, you know, this is designed to make navigation easier for your visitors. Uh, normally, you will find this sitemap in the website's footer where everyone can access it. Uh, this is different from XML sitemap. XML sitemaps are basically meant more for crawlers, uh, robots like such as Google Robot, Google Crawler, bots, whatever you call them, so that you know when it comes to your website, it kind of gets a map of you know where content is on your website, how they branch, and things like that. Now, John Mueller of Google wrote recently or uh, this week is that you know look. HTML sitemap should never be used. Sites small and large should always have a clear navigational structure. If you feel the need for an HTML sitemap, then go ahead and spend the time improving your site architecture instead rather than, you know, spending resources, time, money, and opportunities in HTML sitemaps now. A lot of old school SEO people are going to push, you know, HTML sitemaps and, you know, I don't blame them. Here is why. Back in, I think, 2005 and up until 2009, Google used to encourage HTML sitemaps, right? In, in fact, there is a Google central, search central blog post from September 2005 that says, we encourage site owners to create HTML sitemaps. Then back in, to, then in 2009, Matt Curtis from Google shared that over during an office hour video that, you know, hey, I, we prefer... I. Matt Curtis personally prefers HTML sitemaps over XML sitemaps. So obviously this kind of went out, but fast forward 2016, uh, John Mueller of Google, Google search advocate came out and says, you know, HTML sitemaps are a drain on resources for SEO purposes. Uh, So go ahead and stop doing that and focus more on building a better website. He repeated the same thing in 2019 and now it's 2022 and he's repeating again. So, you know, folks, listen, just go ahead and avoid, um, you know, HTML sitemaps, save the money, save the resources, focus it on building a better website that you will have better navigations and get, uh, you know, your issues resolved. 
Hope that helps, folks. That's it for this week in marketing. Uh, tune again next week and we'll see what happens in the digital marketing space. Take care. Bye-bye.